Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Mother Teresa, come be my light, the private writings of the Saint of Calcutta, chapter 11 continued. I have never had doubt. Will you do this for me? Were the words that Jesus had addressed to her in the train to Darjeeling on September 10th, 1946. In this encounter with Christ, Mother Teresa received the call and the charism of the missionaries of charity. The certainty that this came directly from Jesus and that her work was only his work carried her along throughout the years of darkness. Even when she felt as though she had lost her faith in God, she could not question the authenticity of that experience. A journalist persistently digging into the extraordinary experience of someone to whom God had personally spoken inquired, were you not for a second in doubt? After all, Christ himself had moments of doubt. In Gethsemane, Mother Teresa responded with conviction. No. There never was doubt. I was only for a moment. Mother Teresa responded with conviction. No. There was no doubt. It was only for a moment that he felt unsure. That was as a human being. That was natural. The moment you accept, the moment you surrender yourself, that's the conviction. But it may mean death to you, eh? The conviction comes the moment you surrender yourself. Then there is no doubt. The moment Jesus said, Father, I am at your disposal, thy will be done, he had accepted. That was his agony. He felt all the things you and I would feel as human beings. That's why he was like unto us in all things except sin. If uncertainty remains, that's the time to go on your knees, eh? In that prayer, God cannot deceive you because that prayer comes from within you. That is the time you want him most. Once you have got God within you, that's for life. There is no doubt. You can have other doubts, eh? But that particular one will never come again. No, I have never had doubt. But I am convinced that it is he and not I. That is his work and not my work. I am only at his disposal. Without him, I can do nothing. But even God could do nothing for someone already full. You have to be completely empty to let him in, to do what he will. That's the most beautiful part of God, eh? Being almighty and yet not forcing himself on anyone. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How can Mother Teresa say that she had no doubts? There never was a doubt, she said. But all of this time we've been reading about her, sometimes telling priests, I don't have faith, I don't have love. What does she mean she doesn't have doubts? What she means, it seems, is this. She never had any doubts about God. She never had any doubts about who he is. She never had any doubts that he was present, that God was within. But what was the doubts about? What was the difficulties about? About whether she herself believed. The difficulties or the doubts, if you want to call them that, was about her own response, her own state, her own relationship to God. But not any doubts about him, not any doubts about his power, not any doubts about his love and his presence. And that's partly what was so painful for her. She has this incredible awareness of the Lord an awareness of who he is, an incredible desire, hunger, longing for him. And yet the feeling that she wasn't close to him, the feeling that she was somehow separated from him, that she somehow she was unwanted by him, that was the painful part. All the doubts are kind of about herself and her own response to God. And you say, well, isn't that part of faith? To believe in your own holiness? Well, classically, no. Because the object of faith is God. The object of hope is God. The object of love is God. He's the one we believe in. We share in our his knowledge of himself. And whether you or I are created, well, they didn't have to be this way. We are not eternal. We are not God. So why did he make us? And why does he care about us? Well, because he does. Because that was his will. Because he wants to share his life with us. Because God is good. And God gives and gives and gives. And he wanted to create a world in which there could be a bride for his son. And the son wanted to create a world in which there would be those who could know what a great father he had. And the Holy Spirit wanted to create a world in which we could be united, sharing in the intercommunion of the father and the son. Did they have to make us? Well... Strictly speaking, theologians say no. 
And therefore, strictly speaking, our own response, our own state of grace, our own situation is not part of faith. And nevertheless, we can have evidence, we can know a tree by its fruits. And that's why the spiritual directors and Mother Teresa would weigh the fruits, weigh the things that were happening, to discern the spirits, to become certain as best as one can. And no, Mother Teresa was in a state of grace. She's in a great state of holiness. She did have faith. She did have love. But her perception of those was what she had difficulty with. But do we see? She's fixed on God. And how are we fixed on God? By faith, hope, and love. So let us ask the Blessed Virgin Mary to pray for us. Let us ask that we might believe like she believed and hope like she hopes, and love Jesus like she loves him. Let us be fixed on the beloved and surrender to him and accept all that he allows to happen to us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.